0: Even though I'm small and I plan to stay small, you know it's all about setting yourself up to build a scale.
1: You're listening to your financial planner. Now what? The
0: podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new
1: financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. We're excited to have Chloe Moore from Financial Staples on the podcast with us today. Chloe has always known that financial planning was for her. Through experience at multiple planning jobs, Chloe took the high touch model and is working with her peers now. Chloe is amazing, and I think you're really going to like this interview. Before we jump into the interview, we want to remind you to sign up for the Next Gen Gathering happening June 24th to the 26th at the University of California, Santa Barbara. This is the conference for new planners, and it's at a price you can't beat. Registration opens January 22nd, and be sure to register early. It's expected to sell out quickly. Thanks for joining us today, Chloe. Thank you for having me. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about how you spend your time these days? Like what are with your businesses and consulting work?
0: Sure. Um, So I have two businesses and uh, the first one is C-level consultants. And so I work with other financial advisors and financial advisory firms as an outsourced uh, financial planner or operations consultant. Um, And so I do that. I'd say probably about 30 to 40% of my time right now. Um, And then I also have my RA which is financial staples. Um, and so, so I work primarily with young professionals uh, anywhere from their late 20s to late 40s. And, um, and so that's my second business.
1: We'll talk a little bit more about your um, how you're kind of running your practice right now and the service that, services that you're providing to your clients. But I'd like to talk a little bit about how you got into financial planning. So what was how did you get into this industry or profession?
0: I went to University of Alabama, Roll Tide.
1: <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> and, uh, by the way.
0: Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I majored in financial planning there. Um, and I, I started originally as an athletic training major. Um, and I quickly realized that I was much better with numbers and logic and reasoning than I was with memorizing uh, you know, anatomy and, and biology and all those things. So, um, so I switched to financial planning because one of my counselors was actually a financial planner. And she, uh, and I, I never even knew that career existed, and, uh, and just I, I learned about it through her. And so, as, as soon as I got into my first class, I was immediately intrigued, and I knew that this was what I was meant to do. Um, and so, once once I graduated from there, um, I started working with a firm in Baton Rouge, and, um, and so I did financial planning there as an associate advisor, and I was there for a couple of years. And, and then I moved to Birmingham, and worked for another small firm, and then I moved to Atlanta, and I've
1: been here for the last ten years. First of all, how did you find those jobs?
0: I found the job in Baton Rouge uh, through my my counselor. She she had connections with a lot of different firms, um, locally, like in that in Alabama, and then just in the southeastern area. And so um, they encouraged us to go and you know, do research and look for firms, uh, you know, just in whatever areas we wanted to live. So I, I contacted a lot of firms. Um, and just you know went and asked them. They had open positions. I sent them my resume. Um, you know some of my some samples of my work. And so I was very much proactive uh, in finding firms and and just trying to get myself out there. Uh, so I did some interviews in in Nashville and Baton Rouge and Birmingham. Um, so they're kind of all over. And and I landed my job in Baton
1: Rouge. And so with your firms, did you find that they were really doing financial planning or was it more of like an investment centric co- company?
0: I've been very lucky um, in the sense that every firm I've worked for, uh, they've always done financial planning um, and that that was the, the center of, of what we did for our clients. Um, investment management was secondary. Uh, and then we also, for every firm I've worked with, we also charge separately for financial planning services. Um, so that's probably something that's a little bit unique about about my experience.
1: So when you moved to Atlanta, what was your job there?
0: So I worked uh, with a trust company. And so they were a Southeastern based uh, trust company. Uh, and their headquarters were in, in, in Memphis, Tennessee. And then they also had offices in Nashville and Atlanta. And so, um, so, so yeah, I was a financial planner there. We provided financial planning services um, and then investment management services and also uh, trustee services. So we could serve as trustee or co-trustee or executor.
1: I think the trustee path is such an interesting way for people to get into the business. For people listening who don't really understand what a trust company is, what is a trust company, and then and what's unique about that role versus where you were at other firms?
0: With a trust company, I got to learn a lot more about trust administration and trust accounting, um, which is something that you know typically you don't you don't learn about a lot about, especially with the CFP program. So yeah, it was definitely a different experience um, overall. We also worked with larger clients, um, and so so a lot of our clients had uh, taxable estates, and so that was just another level of planning that a lot of people just don't typically get experience in um, working with you know tax planning and estate planning for you know ten million plus clients, um, and so so yeah, that was definitely a different aspect of it, um, and then and then even on the investment side, there's a lot more opportunities once you once you have at least you know, a million plus in investment assets, um, there's there's different opportunities that you can tap into there. Uh, so we did some private private equity. We actually had our own private equity funds um, at the trust company. And then, you know, there's, there's opportunities to do private real estate, private debt, um, and some other investments that the traditional advisor just doesn't typically delve into.
1: And so how long were you there at the trust company?
0: I was there for seven years.
1: Did you go from your trust company to start or to the consulting work and starting your own firm?
0: Yes. Yeah. So I left there in 2014. Um, and so I started doing consulting work immediately after that. And um, and I was consulting for two years before I started my RIA.
1: When you're at the trust company, what prompted you to want to leave?
0: Um, there, there were a few things. Uh, the the major reason is, um, is just that I, I was really burnt out on working with with clients um, who who are in the h- ultra high net worth space um, I, I just really wanted to work with with clients who are more like myself um, you know I think one of the, the things about our industry is that you know we tell people go figure it out yourself get rich and come back to me when you have a million dollars <laughs> and that's just not um, that's not something that everybody's able to to do on their own um, and then you know people make a lot of mistakes along the way and so I see that you know, just with our generation, we have a lot of a lot of bright people who are doing great things in their careers. They're making good money, and they just really need guidance. And so that's where I wanted to have an impact on the front end and at the beginning of people's careers, instead of on the
1: back end. As you're kind of thinking through this and you're working at the trust company, what were people's response to that idea of serving your peers?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't really talk about it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, just it, it wasn't something that that we did there. Um we did work with, you know, clients of, of the client or or children of the clients. Um and so so that was something that we did, but typically they were inheriting, you know, millions of dollars and so so it was a situation where it was just kind of easy to take over that relationship. Um you know, and, and we we dealt with a lot of uh you know, people who we're beneficiaries of trust, and so you know. So it was just—it was a different type of of situation as far as working with my next gen clients.
1: So you left the trust company and started consulting. When you left the trust company, did you know that you wanted to start your own firm?
0: I didn't. I actually didn't think it was possible at the time. Um, and I mean, it was—it was just 2014, so it wasn't that long ago. But um, but I knew I didn't want to manage investments. Um, I've always been a planner at heart. I, I truly love planning, um, and investments has never been something that I'm interested in, or it's never been a strong suit of mine. And so, um, so I really thought that I couldn't start a firm unless I was managing assets. And so uh, it, took a, it took a little while for me to see other people who were out there being successful without managing assets, uh, for me to realize that I could start my own firm and be successful as
1: well. And so you left, and then was your goal after you left the trust company just to start a consulting firm for other financial planners?
0: Yeah, I thought I was just going to do that, um, you know, for the rest of my career, just to be able to help other other advisors, you know, whether it's helping them with, uh, with actually doing the financial planning work or figuring out uh, the financial planning services that they should offer, uh, looking at technology, uh, figuring out, you know, efficiencies in their business. So I really thought that was you know, what I was going to focus on, um, but I really just I, I started to I, I was still in that high net worth space, you know, working with the advisors that I was working with, and and I I just really wanted to get away from that space, and then I saw that, you know, like I said, having a financial planning firm and not not managing assets was possible, so that really led me down the path of starting my own firm.
1: What's so exciting to me about your story is how quickly things can change. Yeah, definitely. And how quickly, um, you know, but how important those years of just being like, if only this was possible, how important that is to really know what your final direction.
0: Yeah. And, it's, and I, I realized too, just being on my own, even the first year, you know, I, I did so many networking events and I got so much more involved in like an FPA and, you know, we have a local estate planning council um, and, and just, you know, some of the local groups here, I was, i really got out there a lot more and you, you just realize what, a, what that you're in a bubble when you work with a company um and and you know you just you don't know what else is out there um and and so that that was something that just opened my eyes just being on my own and and being able to speak with other people and see um
1: just see what the possibilities were so you decide to start your own firm what does that process look like
0: well I, operations is a is, is a strength of mine and in processes as well so I'm very organized when it comes to, when it comes to anything. Um, so, so when I started my firm, the first thing I did was I made my, my checklist of all the things I needed to do. Um, and so I really wanted to hone in on my target audience, uh, what types of services I wanted to provide, and how I was going to charge for those services. Um, and, and so just coming from the you know, high-net-worth space, we were very much comprehensive in uh, what we did. We were very much involved with our clients. Um, Their CPAs, their attorneys. Um, We did a lot of handholding, and so I knew that I wanted to have that level of service uh, and bring it to younger clients. But I also had to account for the fact that, you know, the on the revenue side, I wouldn't make as much um, per client. And so, so you know, I really kind of had to think through that and just think about, you know, my structure uh, for my business. And so, um, so that that was kind of the foundation of it. And then from there, you know, just all the pieces kind of came together.
1: Who is your ideal client?
0: So my ideal client, I don't have a specific profession that I work with. Um, but my ideal client is typically, uh, in their, their late twenties to late thirties. And, uh, they're at the point in their career where they're just now getting a, a a good paying job or they've just gotten their first significant raise. Um, they, you know, they might be single or, or just getting married, um, and kind of starting their, their life together. And so, and so I really you know, want to help them at that point before lifestyle creep you know, gets out of control. And, um, and just before they you know, start making any huge mistakes, um, I want to help them set the foundation and figure out, you know, their, get, get their budget together and figure out, you know, where, where should I save and how should I save? Um, and what, what things do I need in place uh, to set me on a path for long-term success?
1: So do most of your clients have, are, are they at six figure incomes or are they, what's the general income level of your clients?
0: Yeah. So most of my clients uh, are at six figure income level. Um, I'd say they make at least a hundred, 250,000 a year um, at a minimum. And uh, a lot of them kind of fall into the space where, or it's really two categories. Um, they fall into a space where they have, you know, some complex benefits. So they ha- might have stock options or, Restricted stock. Um, so I have some people who work at tech companies or, or corporations, um, where they're at a level where they're receiving some of those types of benefits. Um, in addition to having high income, and they're fairly young and they don't know what to do with those things. Um, and then I also have clients who are small business owners, and um, and they're and they're making you know pretty good revenue in their business, and they need to you know get a better understanding of how to how to run their business and how to you know just manage their tax liabilities and and those, those types of things.
1: So do you help them with running their business as well? Like business coaching or?
0: Um, To a certain extent I do. Yeah. I just, and they're, because the businesses are kind of all over the place. uh, They don't, you know, like I said, I don't have like a specific profession that I work in. Um, But I I think there's within any business, there are some fundamental things that you need to have in place. Um, And because I do, I am strong on the operations and the process side. Um, And and just kind of the, you know, organization and the structure of the business. Um, I can help clients, you know, with that. Um, And I also have people that I prefer clients to, whether it's they need help with, you know, marketing or just, you know, different aspects of their business. Um, I I have good relationships with with all types of what I call allied professionals um, that I help clients with. And I help them develop a team of advisors that we can all kind of work together to help that client get to where they want to be.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, it's so much, you're adding value at multiple levels. Yeah, that that's the goal. Yeah. So how do you charge your clients if you're not charging AUM?
0: So I have two services. So the first one is the comprehensive uh, service. And so uh, for that service, I it's a long-term relationship. Um, and I, I try to you know, stress that it, it is a long-term relationship. Um, and it's kind of an ongoing thing. Financial planning is more of a process. It's not, you know, it's not a product or a one-time thing. Uh, and so, for those for those relationships, I charge an annual fee, and it's based on income, net worth, and complexity. And so, um, so for individuals, it starts at forty two hundred a year, and then for couples and business owners, it starts at sixty six hundred a year, and that's billed either monthly or quarterly, just depending on their preference. Um, and then the other service that I provide is hourly, and so for those clients, um, it's more of just a project. And um, so if they have just a couple of things that they need, questions they need answered, or um, or just the, yeah, they kind of want to do you know just like a, a, a project um, that's centered around a couple of topics, then we'll just do an hourly rate, um, which is you know, my hourly rate is two fifty, and then I'll just kind of estimate the time that it'll take uh, to, to work on that project.
1: With the comprehensive services, have you, well, obviously, <clears throat> um, people have been willing to pay that price. Have you had any pushback like that? It's too high or too low or what's been your feedback about that?
0: Yeah. Um, and actually I just, I just increased my prices this year. So <laughs> good for you. <laughs> so starting, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just I'm just starting out this this higher price level. Um, before my minimum was three thousand, uh, so I went up you know by twelve hundred dollars a year. But um, but yeah, I mean I have had a little bit of pushback um, from some clients, but I I truly just don't feel like those are the clients for me. Um, As I I'm looking for clients who really value a long term relationship with an advisor, um, and they also value the idea of outsourcing um, and, and having someone else relying on someone else's expertise. And so um, if a client is more of a do-it-yourselfer or, or you know, they just kind of want someone want a second opinion, um, then I'm typically not the advisor for them. And, uh, you know, my clients are, you know, they're, they're busy with whatever they're doing. They're, you know, if they're, whether they're physicians or they're, you know, executives, um, they really want to focus on their job and, and what they're good at and what they're passionate about. And they want to rely on me to help them with the financial decisions.
1: When you start your own firm and you know you're put it out into the world, did you get traction right away?
0: It took a couple of months, I'd say, because I, I officially launched in November of 2016. And so um, I'd say by that January, I, I started to receive a lot of pro- prospect calls and uh, prospect meetings. So it, it took a little while to get, get myself out there. Um, but I'd say a year, you know, a good year into it now, um, it's definitely more steady, um, and I feel like I've I feel like I've set a good foundation to where uh, I'm receiving a lot of you know steady prospects.
1: And is it just you, or do you have a team behind you?
0: No, right now it's just me. Um, I do plan to this year. You know, one of my goals is to to get some some consistent help. Um, I've I've had people help me along the way. You know, just pieces here and there. Um, and I just hired someone to help me with my, you know, my content uh, marketing. And so um, so my goal is to to definitely get someone to help me, you know, with administrative uh, things and, and
1: also get someone to help me with some of the planning aspects. How many clients do you have now?
0: Yes. So I have 18 clients right now.
1: That's really impressive in a year. I mean, it's oh, a little <laughs> over a year. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's great. And so where do you see your firm? like growing, like, do you want to just, do you want to cap it? Or do you want to have it go as many clients as you can serve?
0: Yeah, I definitely want to cap it. Um, and that, that's something else that I thought about in the very beginning. Um, I feel like when you when you're starting a business, you kind of need to have in mind like how you want it to end. Uh, because it can it can get a it can get away from you. And, and you'll find yourself, you know, 10 years down the road, Doing something that you don't want to do, or you're not happy in your business, and your business is kind of running your life. Um, and I've seen that happen so many times. So I, I knew going into it that I needed to have a good vision of where where I wanted to be long term. Um, and so, so for me, I wanted to make sure that um, that I had time, you know, to to spend with with family and friends, and and to travel, and 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 most importantly, to volunteer um, and help other people. And so, in order to do that and to live the life that I wanted to live, I knew that I needed to keep my business small. So my plan is to cap, uh, cap it at probably, I'm hoping 35 to 40 clients. Um, if I can get 35 to 40 comprehensive clients that are, you know, long term relationships and recurring revenue, then that, that's the plan is to to cap it there, and that that'll give me the income that I would like to have, um, and it would also give me the opportunity to to take more time to do more pro bono work um, and even some discounted you know, work for lower income people and, and just kind of find a way
1: to to start that market as well. Oh, I love that so much. One of the questions I think all advisors have to ask is how much is enough? Exactly. <laughs> and, and I love that you're just, in, you're answering that, like, this is what's enough. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I know
0: people, I mean, who, you know, it's like they just want to make as much money as possible or they have some, you know, some... Crazy goal of you know for making it a certain amount of money, you know, at least one time in their in their career or you know just at some point. And um, yeah, and I, I just really I've never had a goal of making some astronomical amount of money. Um, I know what what is comfortable for me and what will allow me to live uh, what what I feel is a good life and um, and allow me to help others. And so that that's you know really what's important to me. And I, I feel like even even when I hear people say that they want to make a certain amount of money or they want to grow their business, you know, to some, to some level. I, you know, my, my question is always why, you know, there, there, there has to be a why behind it. Um, and, and, and a lot of people just don't think about that. You know, they don't think about why do I want this? Um, and, and, and is it really something that I want? And I think if people would dig into that a little bit more, you know, they, the answer might be a little different they might be on a different path.
1: When you run a business, you have so many different hats, and you're the financial planner, and then you're the business owner, and the marketer, and everything like that. How have you found balancing all of those roles? That's
0: something that I still struggle with a little bit, um, and especially in the beginning, you have you know so many clients who are uh, on the onboarding part of the process, um, and and onboarding is definitely the most time consuming <laughs> than it is you know when you're three or five years or ten years into the relationship when things are kind of a little smoother. Um, but yes, I still struggle with that a little bit. Um, but I, I do, I think that the best thing there is having good processes in place, um, having good technology that you can leverage. Um, those things are, are definitely helpful. And, and I try as much as I can to document what I'm doing, um, to, track, to track my progress you know, with, with my clients and with my business. And I think that helps me to stay on track as much as possible.
1: One of the things I hear, especially from new planners, is that they don't want to be in just a sales role. As a business owner, I mean, there is an element of sales to and the marketing to what you're doing. Have you found it to work well with kind of what you're doing?
0: I don't think of it as as sales in the, the sleazy sense. Um, and, and so most, you know, most people coming out of school are probably the opportunities that, that are are available or that they're considering um, might be, you know, where they're selling a product um, and not necessarily selling a service. And so for me, you know, I, I think of it more as selling myself and selling my service. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, I, I, enjoy it. I enjoy speaking with, with prospects and, and just, you know, hearing people's stories, learning about their lives, um, and, and just seeing you know, how I can help people.
1: So on your marketing, have you been doing mostly online marketing or are you doing it in person?
0: I, I'd say a large percentage of my referrals. Um, have come come online, and so I have I have profiles uh, on in you know, NAPFA's website, um, XY Planning Network. I'm a member of FPA, and then the CFP Board. I have a profile on there. So, so people you know go to those those sites um, when they're searching for financial advisors, specifically uh, NAPFA, because they're looking for fee only advisors and fiduciaries. And so, um, so I get a lot of traffic um, through through NAPFA and XYPN. Um, and then I'd say the second, the second um, tier is probably referrals from other professionals. So because I don't manage assets, I've aligned myself with uh, advisors who only do investment management, and they're not planners, and they have no interest in planning. Um, so that, that's been very helpful for me, because there's no conflict there. Um, and so I can refer business to them, they can refer business to me. Uh, so that that's been very helpful and then you know the traditional CPA's attorneys, um, you know real estate agents, mortgage brokers, um, just you know people like that
1: So other investment professionals are referring you clients for financial planning Yes oh that's really interesting but it, I, it makes a lot of sense. It works well because
0: you know like I said I never wanted to manage investments and so so I can partner up with an advisor who that's all they do is manage investments um, and they don't want to do planning. So so it just, it works out you know, really well. We can both do what we enjoy doing and, and and help the client.
1: One of the things when you go to your website, financial staples, which everybody should go to, hey, first of all, the name, can we talk about how did you get financial staples?
0: So I love to cook. Um, I am passionate about cooking. I, I love food. I love to eat. <laughs> so, um, so, so I just, you know, I always think about. And when, when I'm cooking, um, you know, in, in, my, in my kitchen, I always try to make sure I have like what I call, you know, my staples. And so, um, so that way, I can pretty much make any meal um, and I can make, I, I can whip up a meal pretty quickly if I have my staples. And so, um, so that that's kind of, I, I was thinking about the concept of how can I merge, you know, my love of food and my love of cooking with, with finance. And so it's like, I think if you have your, your staples, which are your good financial habits, um, and then if you have. If you have a recipe, uh, which is a good, fin- which is a financial plan, then you can really make anything happen.
1: What I love is how you've integrated, like you were saying, your passion for cooking with your passion for financial planning. So let's talk about how you service your clients. Like, what does a client experience look like?
0: The first year um, is is a little bit different from the, the years to follow. So, um, so for the first year, we're really just setting the foundation and and getting the plan in place. And so. Um, so we have a series of meetings. I, I always start out with what I call a discovery meeting, and so um, so with that meeting, we don't talk about anything, you know, any money, anything financial. I typically don't even ask for documents ahead of time, and so we we really just sit and have a conversation. Uh, so I learn I learn about their their family history, um, just how they grew up, their memories of money, um, you know, how they define success, uh, just you know, just what. What they're passionate about, how they want to live their life. Uh, so I, I really just kind of dig into who they are, um, and then also what they want to accomplish long term. And so that that kind of sets the foundation, um, and, and it really just helps us to get to know each other. It builds the relationship, um, and so so that's the first step. And then uh, after that, then that's when I start to gather all of the information. And so so I'll set them up. I use eMoney, um, and so I'll set them up with the client website. And then I'll give them, you know, the documents, the list of documents that I'll need. So we'll start gathering all the information. So then from there, uh, once I have an information, I'll pull, you know, pull together a basic, you know, network statement and cash flow and make sure that we, you know, have those things, have, have everything accounted for. And, you know, that I have a good understanding of where they are right now. Uh, and so we'll have another meeting just kind of for data validation and just making sure that we've captured everything. Uh, you know, we've captured all of their goals. And then from there, um, I'll build a plan out. And so so we'll have a, a plan delivery meeting and um, and so we'll talk about you know all of the aspects of their financial planning, whether it's you know taxes, insurance, investments, uh, you know, budgeting, cash flow, retirement planning, estate planning. So we'll just look at everything. Um, and so and so from there, what I'll do is I'll start prioritizing all of their action items. And so we'll try to work on you know maybe two or three at a time, uh, so it's a lot easier to swallow. And so um, so once we've you know completed the plan, we've we've kind of confirmed that you know that everything is accurate, and um, then then we'll just kind of go from from there as far as knocking out the action items. And so on the implementation side, I, I'm, I'm definitely hands on. You know, like I said before, so if they need a let's say they need a, a will. Um, so you know, I'll introduce them to an estate planning attorney if they if they need an introduction. Um, I'll actually help them you know with the process. So helping provide any documents that they need, or um, kind of helping them think through some of those some of those things ahead of time um, as far as what their wishes are. I'll review the drafts with them. Uh, you know, in some cases, I'll summarize or diagram uh, you know how everything looks. I'll make sure that you know that that everything is really kind of matches what they want. And, and using my knowledge of their overall picture, um, you know, I'll just work with them on that and work with the attorney kind of as a team. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very hands-on uh, with, with what I do. And same thing with, you know, tax planning and CPAs and insurance planning. Um, I don't just send them off and say, hey, go talk to this person and get this done and come back to me when you're finished, <laughs> so, um, which is, you know, I, I've seen that happen. Um, and, and in some cases, that doesn't work out
1: very well. So. <laughs>
0: So, so I definitely try to make sure I'm I'm very much involved in the process.
1: And so in that first year, how many times are you meeting with a client? Do you think? Um, it could be
0: anywhere from four to six times that first year. So, so yeah, we're we're definitely meeting more frequently. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, but yeah, you know, like I said, it's really just kind of setting the foundation for the future years.
1: After that first year, what is what does the client experience look like?
0: So after the first year, then uh, I just have things throughout the year that I that I do for clients um, so and it's kind of just based on a on a calendar year um, but we'll kind of pick up wherever they are in the process so at the beginning of the year I try to focus on um, we at the beginning of the year in the mid and mid year we typically look at you know their net worth statement and their cash flow and kind of see you know where compare last year to this year um, and kind of see you know what progress they made, and, um, and and really set some goals for the next year, as far as you know what they want to accomplish with their with their savings or with paying down debt, or you know even if they have some other actions they that they need to complete, we'll just set you know goals there. Some planning, some things like planning for you know a house or a new baby or or anything like that. Um, so we'll we'll kind of establish that at the beginning of the year, and then we'll have a mid-year check in uh, to check to check on their progress. And so, um, so at the beginning of the year, we focus on tax planning. Um, and then we'll look in the spring, we'll look at, you know, their investments, see if there's any rebalancing that needs to be done there. Um, the summertime I try to focus on estate planning and, um, insurance planning, and just kind of reviewing uh, what they have in place, making sure they're still on track there. Uh, and the fall I look at, we'll look at their investments again and rebalance. Um, we'll do, you know, like a, what I call a cyber security check, um, check their credit, and you know make sure that there's nothing you know out of line there. Uh, we'll look at employee benefits. So it's just I just kind of have things that I kind of do for them throughout the year, and then of course if they have any you know any concerns or any any changes that happen in their life, they can contact me, and we'll plan around those things as
1: well. Are you contacting them every time? Like, I mean, are they having to do work every time? every, for every one of these items every year? Yeah. So in some
0: cases I will, you know, I'll contact them and, um, and I might give them, you know, little homework assignments here and there, or it could just be you know, simple as, Hey, I want to, I want to review your, your insurance. So can you upload your new, your new statements? Um, so, so it could just be something as simple as them providing me with information or, um, you know, or there could be some homework assignments there.
1: And do you find that people are really good about Staying on top of that,
0: I, I try to meet clients where they are um, and and make sure that you know. I, I know some clients they want a comprehensive list and they can kind of knock it out, and they're very much um, proactive with those things. And I have some clients who we have to give them, you know, step by step, and you know, maybe one one or two things to work on at a time. So so it really just depends on the personality of the client um, and and how how they work best. And and that's something else that I try to establish too in our discovery meeting is just how how they best receive information, um, how they want to work together. Um, and and then at the one year mark, I'll definitely, you know, check in and see, you know, what worked in the past year and, you know, what can we do to improve our relationship going forward?
1: I think that's so important. And what's so exciting about boutique firms is you really can customize them per client. Yeah, definitely. And so do you have those things noted in your CRM or is it, you just kind of know the client?
0: Yeah, I I try to note as much as I can. Um, It it is a little funny because I do, you know, it's just it it is just me, and so so um, so it is a little silly sometimes, or I feel a little silly, um, you know, over documenting things in CRM. And um, I mean, I even have clients who, you know, the the best days to meet with them are you know Wednesday mornings and Thursday mornings, and so I have that noted in my CRM. So if I ever need to call them, I make sure it's on one of those days. or you know or just different you know things about their schedules or what they're doing and um, or their preferences. so I try to note that as much as possible um, and, and I really yeah you know, I'm even though I'm small and I, I plan to stay small, you know it, it's all about setting yourself up for uh, to be able to scale and so and so I want to note that once I bring on someone to help me, there's not a huge learning curve like I have so many things documented. Um, and in place that they can, they can easily pick up.
1: And everything's just not in my head. So I know that you're really passionate about financial planning. And this may sound like maybe a trite question, but why financial planning?
0: I feel like financial planning is one of the few professions where you can truly have a drastic impact on someone's life. Um, I, you know, I just think what we do is so important. Um, and it's really, some people think of it as a luxury, uh, but I think of it as an expensive necessity. And, yeah, I think everyone needs financial guidance. Everyone needs someone to, to kind of, you know, run, run things by and, and just someone to help be in their corner and help them from, help prevent them from making huge mistakes um, that could be, you know, costly or set them back um, for years. And so, so yeah, I just, I feel like with what we do, we're really, really able to help someone, um, really change the path of their life. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen clients who are in a job that they hate, um, and, and they're just not happy. And, you know, just the the idea of, of helping them figure out what they want to do and, um, and what they're passionate about and seeing them change careers and, and, and move to a job that, that makes them so happy. Um, yeah, that, that has a huge impact. Um, or just, you know, just even simple things like just making sure that, you know, that, that, they're, that they're taking care of their, their families and their kids and,
1: um, you know, just and having peace around that. So talking to the new planners who are listening to this, what would be your advice for them?
0: The biggest piece of advice is just don't give up. Because, um, I you know, this is not the easiest industry to get into at times. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it takes a little bit of time to find your path. Um, you know, whether it's working for a company or working on your own and, and, and I've seen so many people who are extremely passionate about this industry and extremely good at what they do leave the industry, um, because they just can't find the right company or the right opportunity. Um, and that, that really breaks my heart. So I, you know, I'd say just, you know, just don't give up, um, and, and really, really continue to, to push until you're able to, to find a a happy place.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As a reminder, be sure to sign up for Next Gen Gathering on January 22nd. We hope to see you in Santa Barbara.